that was a huge, huge turning point for me. Hearing that and also feeling it, the idea of like feeling invisible. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. It's your host, Eileen. Today, we are talking about filmmaking and storytelling with my friend, Mimi Lee. Mimi Lee is a Chinese-American filmmaker who loves directing creative content in film and VR and explores the world of visual storytelling through her work in narratives, commercials, and music videos. She's currently pursuing an MFA at USC's world-leading school of cinematic arts. Her films have been official selection to Oscar-qualifying film festivals, including Urban World Film Festival, Bronzolins Film Festival, and Asian American International Film Festival, to name a few. Her goal as a filmmaker is to create engaging stories that reflect the true Asian American experience. Hello, Mimi. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's been a while since we've talked, oh, yeah. but I've I've been keeping up with you on social media, so I feel like I know what's going on. I've been keeping up in with general. you too, and it's so funny <laughs> because I feel like we've known each other since like different stages in our life, and it's just great to yeah. um, keep keep track of each other and each other's progress. But it's so great seeing what you're doing, and I'm so inspired by. All your stuff. So I'm just really excited to be chatting with you. Thank you. And same for me. So to give our listeners a little background, I, Mimi and I met when we were doing a singing, Taiwanese singing show kind of thing. And <laughs> so we were both singing at the time. And then since then, I feel like our creative paths have took like different turns. So Mimi, do you want to talk about your creative journey and how you ended up becoming a film director? Yeah, so it actually started around, you know, the time we kind of met. I I really grew up wanting to be a performer, a singer. I spent a lot of my younger years, like, on the stage. Growing up, I listened to a lot of, like, pop culture in America. I grew up in Silicon Valley. Listened to a lot of, like, R&B, hip-hop. I loved neo-soul. I listened to Lauryn Hill, listened to Erica Badu and, like, just really aspired to be an artist and a singer. In undergrad, I just spent a lot of time dancing and singing and realizing at a certain point that there wasn't a lot of people who necessarily looked like me, who was really seen, you know, in anything in entertainment, like in music, in movies, just anywhere on the big screen. And so after that realization, I just felt like I saw that something was missing. And I really wanted to do something about it. And so um, that's when in undergrad, I changed my major to film and kind of like first I, I delved into it and and then realized that um, after doing a music video for myself that I had kind of like a knack for it and it came easy. And that's when I realized that there's so much power in telling your own story and your own from your own perspective. And just from then on, that's kind of like what started my journey as a filmmaker, just realizing that you were able to empower your own stories that you wanted to tell through being behind the scenes and um, behind the camera. So 
Yeah. And can you talk about the turning point that led you to film? Because I know that like you even went to Taiwan for a bit to pursue music. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And actually not a lot of people know about that. So I, I did. So basically what happened was, you know, kind of growing up, I, I would sing a lot and I would tell people I want to be a singer. And most people, when I told them that would be like, oh, well, you know, you should be, you, you should be a pop star in Asia. Like you can do like, you know, be one of those like Korean pop stars or, you know, Chinese pop mm-hmm. stars. And for me, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I like, don't get me wrong. I love, I listened to a lot of um, Asian singers growing up too. But for me, I just, I just wondered why I couldn't be a singer in America. And so mm-hmm. eventually, you know, all the voices kind of got to me. I, I did end up moving to Taiwan and I lived in Taiwan for a year and I was actually signed to a music company but they wanted to package me into kind of like this Chinese doll. Mm-hmm. And it just was completely something that was not you. It wasn't me. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. And it, it just didn't feel authentic to the music I wanted to make. And so I quickly um, got out of that and kind of came back to uh, undergrad. And that's when I decided to, to really make a change. And so, like I mentioned before, the first real moment, I feel like, I realized that I wanted to be more behind the screen and kind of make my own content was after I made my music video. I just remember I I went to USC for film school and just the first year that I I attended USC, we had this big panel discussion with Cheryl Boone Isaacs, who was the president of um, the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences. And she was kind of talking about diversity. This was when diversity was like first a topic and um, she mentioned a lot about kind of like African-American voices and Hispanic voices and the conversation kind of ended there. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the room ever talked about um, Asian-American stories, Asian-American perspectives. And so it mm-hmm. really, and I, I just remember this so clear because I remember sitting there and just thinking like, well, what about us? You know, like, yeah. so that was a huge, huge turning point for me. Just hearing that and also feeling it throughout my entire mm-hmm. um, adult life. The idea of like feeling invisible as an Asian American, uh, not seeing yeah. ourselves on screen. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of, uh, those were yeah. the turning. No, I, to- I to- no, I get it. I totally feel that. And I relate to that so much, obviously, because we, I was also like interested in entertainment and all of that. Seeing that gap in the entertainment industry, I noticed the type of short films you tend to make are related to a- telling Asian American stories. So can you, let's talk about like your recent film, Moonchild. Yeah. What is it about and why did you tell it? Yeah. So Moonchild is kind of like this raw and gritty fantasy drama, Asian American coming of age story. It's about a young 18 year old whose father had just recently passed. And on her birthday, she receives this strange package. And on her way to visit her father's grave, she kind of finds out what this package is, and how it has to do with her his her family history and her father's death. And so this, this film's really about identity. And that's a lot about, you know, a lot of my short films tend to be about identity when she finds out who she is and kind of accepts where she came from that's when she can draw her strength from inside and kind of be the best version of herself I reflected that a lot on you know my experience as an Asian American growing up like I always tended to avoid my identity Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about you 
but um, you know, I was, mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain period of time where I felt kind of ashamed for who I was. And it largely had to do with the fact that, you know, that I did feel like Asian Americans weren't really seen. We weren't, I guess, seen as anything like a hero or like, you know, the normal films you would see where they really have like the hero's journey, like Asian Americans never had that. And so, so yeah, it, you know, it affected me a lot. And um, Mm -hmm. later down on the, along the road, um, just uh, when I was able to fully accept who I was and kind of embrace it. And now that I'm very proud of my Asian American identity, that's when I'm able to be my most authentic self. And so so that's kind of like the inspiration behind why I wanted to make Moonchild and um, why I felt like it was just so important to have a main character who was Asian American, who understood where she came from and fully embraced it. Yeah, I love it. Not only are you Asian American, you're also a female director, which is, isn't that a more rare? Like it's not the most typical so being on set as a female Asian American director, how do you feel with your crew? Like, do you ever feel imposter syndrome or like, I don't know, what is that like? Yeah, yes, I do. Because, you know, most directors are white yeah, male and male. And so I, you know, there's been many times when I do feel constantly questioned for, you know, my ability to be a director. But, you know, I, I do feel like right now is an exciting time just because we have people like Ava DuVernay and and just a lot of female directors behind her, Lulu, Lulu Wang, who yeah. just came out with the film. Well, um, and they're kind of laying out the path for us, which is why it's so exciting. I feel like, you know, the conversations have been had about, you know, women directors. So I think things are changing. Yeah, I that think so too. That yeah, right. But I'm just I mean, curious, like, as you know, we're not exactly there yet. And as we're changing, do you, f- how do you feel in your position? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times when I think as a as a woman, and I, I just recently saw this video that Alicia Keys put out, but I feel like women, sometimes, like, when we are nice, it seems as weak. And there are times when, for instance, if I'm more assertive, and um, people can take it the wrong way. So being a director, like, you know, you're constantly the person who has to tell people what to do. You're constantly the person who does have to put your foot down. And some some people don't take it as well. And s- some people mm-hmm. will just constantly doubt you and your ability. But I think it's just always blocking out the noise. Um, I think it's important to do that as a director, especially in this field, and just staying true to the story you have to tell. And I, I, I constantly have to remind myself, you know, why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, there are absolutely a hundred percent so many challenges that come along the way um just you know even with moonchild to be completely honest like i've had many breakdowns i think it's you know normal as a director to go through a lot of hardships and you know that's why being a director is not easy at all but it's like i constantly have to wake up and remind myself uh, of what i'm fighting for Mm -hmm. and that I am here for this fight, you know, and I'm here and I I truly believe that it's a purpose and something that God has given me to, to, to fight this fight. And I think it's an important one to be had. So it's just, it does get really, really hard at times, but you just have to constantly remind yourself of like why you're doing this, you know? I mean, what, what would you say is the hardest part about 
what you do. Yeah, I, I definitely feel with directing, um, there's always so many like voices near you and always people trying to tell you like what your story is about, like what you should be doing, even with creative choices, like, oh, this would be better. And so I think it's more than anything, directing is really just being grounded in your knowing what your vision, your story is, because it can be really easy to kind of stray away. Um, People Mm -hmm. are always trying to make you into something that you're not. And so you have to really know who you are. You have to really know what stories you want to tell. Um, And I really think that any great director um, has to have that Mm -hmm. um, in order to really tell an authentic story and to really get down to the heart of it. And to just have to be very confident with, with the vision and, and the authenticity. So Yeah, I love this so much. And while you're talking about this, I kind of made the connection to your experience in Taiwan, how everyone was trying to shape you into the China doll or something that you weren't. And then (laughs) like even in directing, you have so many voices and opinions and you have to learn to be so confident in your authentic voice or the authentic story that you want to tell. Right. Right. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, and, uh, you know, there'll be times when someone will be like, oh, well, this looks better here. And I'm like, for a second, I'll be like, oh, maybe it does look better there. But then you got to kind of like step back. And, you know, sometimes it, it is a collaborative process. So absolutely, there mm-hmm. are times when people can check me. And, and and that's the reason why we collaborate is because you listen to each other. But I think at the end of it, what I'm really getting as like the heart and the soul and the, the, the perspective um, like, for example, there's been a lot of people who tell me that my lead should be, you know, half Asian, half white, or like they, they'll bring up some um, people in casting, which is just completely not what the story or the vision is about. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it, it's very important to the story yeah. and to uh, the message of the story and to the authenticity of the story that certain choices um, are made in a certain way. So it it's... It's not an easy thing to do, but you always have to like remind yourself of what it's really about and you yeah. know, the why. I love that. I think that's what makes you a, a good director because like you stick to the story and you, you know, it's so easy to like make those small changes that actually it dilutes like the end product, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hi loves, let's take a break and talk about how to make 2020 your best year. As an artist of life, you have the power to envision and create the life you've always wanted. So as we enter a new decade, seize this opportunity to take action towards your dreams in 2020. To guide your year, I created the 2020 Artist of Life Workbook, a journal filled with 125 pages of questions and exercises to help you self-reflect, clarify your vision, set goals in all areas of your life, execute your goals, and track your progress monthly with sections on self-love overcoming fear habit tracking gratitude journaling and more the artist of life workbook keeps you accountable and guides your growth throughout the year it's a tool to keep you inspired motivated and organized helping you live your best life all the exercises within have personally helped me change my life for the better and i'm confident that they'll do the same for you to get started go to shop.lavendaire.com to get your copy of the 2020 artist of life workbook Again, that's shop.lavendaire.com. 
Let's talk about, like, I'm just imagining some people out there listening probably want to become a director like you. So do you have advice for how to start if someone's interested? Like, do you recommend going to film school, doing that route? Or what is your opinion? Yeah, it's so funny because it's like, I'm also, you know, still figuring out this path as a director. But, you know, being at USC has definitely opened my eyes in many ways. Like, I think that you have to know what you want if you do decide to go to film school. But, you know, I I absolutely think that anybody can direct. I don't think you have to go to film school to do it. Like we've been talking about, I think what's most important is knowing your voice. If you don't have that, it's going to be hard either way. And so a lot of things at film school you could learn on your own like there's there's studio binder there's like so many youtube videos that i feel like i've learned so much from and a lot of things i don't necessarily learn from like an in class setting yeah i guess my biggest advice would be just keep doing it because every time you shoot a film like every single film that i've mm-hmm. made i've taken something out of it i've taken something big out of it like i learned so much from every single film um, so if you if you don't do it, you you'll never learn those lessons. There's only so much you can learn in a classroom, or so, only so much you can learn in yeah. a video. If you don't apply it, um, you'll never really learn from it. And so so yeah, it would just be to to just keep doing it, and then yeah, and then, and then the the biggest biggest takeaway is absolutely just know your voice, know your the stories that you want to tell. Everybody has a story. I think you know, you have a story that you're telling, you know, everyone has mm-hmm. their own story. And so you have, you just have to know who you are and, and yeah, the story you want to tell. So. Yeah. So what would you say are like the major lessons that you've learned from working on the films that you have worked on? I would say you have to surround yourself with people who you trust. You have to surround yourself with I, I'm so blessed to be around such talented people. Just even at film school, like I've met so many collaborators where I feel so lucky to be working with them. You know, it's like like there's so much talent out there. Like directing is absolutely not, you know, like I know everyone's like, oh, the director is like the visionary, whatever. Directing is like it's all about a collaborative effort. Like all I do is I have mm-hmm. a vision and I find the best people who can make this story happen to create this story and so it takes a village and it's really just about finding those people who are talented and have that in them and letting them shine and it's really about communicating the vision Mm -hmm. and the message that you want to tell and effectively communicating it to um, each person and surrounding yourself with people who really believe in the story you're, you're telling and it's so funny because I was watching The King the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on Netflix. No. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I know this is weird, but so the, the, the film talks about, obviously, King Henry. And so after he becomes king, he realizes that he, there's no one really that he can trust. And so he finds um, this one guy who he's he's known for a long time and that he, can, he knows that he can trust and he brings them, him to his side. And it just... It just for a second reminded me of, you know, many times in filmmaking where it's just important to surround yourself with people who, like, you know, have your best interests at heart and are really there, you know, to support you and um, 
and mm-hmm. has what it takes to uh, make this vision possible. So that would be absolutely <laughs> something I take away from every film. Awesome. What's next for you? Do you have next projects or what are you, what are your ultimate goals and dreams? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Moonchild is my thesis. So it's kind of like what they call your calling card coming out of film school. I, I plan, it's, it's actually a proof of concept for a feature mm-hmm. that I've written. So I'm planning to take it, you know, to, to film the feature film or the course. short, the short right now. Yeah, okay. The short. And then yeah. um, from there, you know, people can be interested and, you know, interested in making the feature. And that's when you kind of talk to yeah. agents, managers, um, production companies and, and, you know, and then hopefully I, you know, I plan to make Moonchild into a feature uh, soon, hopefully within the next year or two. Wow. So, so yeah, the goal, I, I, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm really excited. Um, it's just like, I definitely, my goal is to make a feature and to get it out there. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. I have some Facebook questions from people from our Facebook group. So the first question, Caitlin asked, how do you plan out the stories you have in mind? I struggle with visual storytelling on my YouTube channel. She just says she has trouble getting the shots that she, like the video doesn't come together as planned. Yeah. For me, every time I am like sitting down and trying to write a script or come up with an idea, I always have to like have moments of quietness, like where I'm kind of like by myself. And then um, occasionally I'll I'll also find sources of inspiration. Sometimes I'll read like articles where, uh, you know, and a story may inspire me. Um, But I usually take like one, one story. So for, for example, Moonchild is loosely based off of a Chinese mythology called uh, Chang'e. And that's really what inspired that story. And so what I do is I always start off with like one small thing that inspires me. Like it could be literally just like an image of a woman in an all red room. Or like if you see like photography and it just sparks like an interest in you. And then I kind of like take that and then build on it. And once you build on it, then you you're kind of creating this world and and from there on this kind of like how I, I I start with my stories and then slowly I'll sit down and you know somewhere quiet and I'll kind of just use that inspiration or that small idea and kind of just like imagine in my head like a whole bunch of scenarios and that's when I start writing my scripts. So you didn't have the story in mind yet? Yeah. Where, where did it start? <laughs> so it always is for me with Moonchild, you know, it started with the mythology and then I was thinking about, yeah. you know, how cool it would be to have something old and also like a new Asian American story connected with it. And so mm, from that yeah. is when I started kind of like thinking about different scenarios of what the story could be about. Oh, cool. But, you know, I kind of already knew, like, the message I kind of wanted in my film before fully writing it out. So, but yeah, everything kind of starts off with, like, an inspiration, and then from there trickles into a story. There's a lot of books on, like, storytelling. So there's a certain structure, like the hero's journey is, you know, someone who goes through a lot of obstacles um, and then comes out on top. It's like the classic, like, Rocky story. So... You know, yeah. but then there's of course different ways to tell it, and so it's always just finding that source of inspiration, and then from then you know you could plan out like the tone you want, the mood you want for the mm. film, um, what you want the message to be from the film, and then kind of from there draw an outline, 
and then and then also uh, start writing the story or the script from there on. So, super cool. How long did it take you to write the script and come up with a story from like the inspiration to the finished script? Oh man, it took a long time because I first originally had a different script that I was planning on doing for for my thesis, and then I scrapped it, and then I I created a new one because I like this new idea better. Mm. So I started writing around February, and then Mm -hmm. I, my last draft, I believe, was end of August. So it took took about half a year just to get it perfect. Nice. Um, Yeah, and a lot of times you'll just, like, be sitting there. Like, I could be sitting here and writing, like, this scene – for like six hours and then oh my and gosh. then I scrap it but yeah. there's so much like I know <laughs> it's like it's sometimes like but that's it's the creative process but, you know, yeah. part of the process right right I see. and so um I think it's just it, it, it's like the process of it like once you write that scene you're thinking of so many of the details that are involved in this story and this world and that kind of helps you build a better story later on mm-hmm. So every single part of the creative journey, I, I never feel like it's wasted because it, you're learning something every time that you're, you're writing or you're creating, or, yeah. um, even though you scrap it, you know? So. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Nothing's yeah. wasted. Right. So now I have some rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests on the show. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> all right. What does your dream life look like? Oof, my dream life. I see myself... Is it is this like dream life in like ten years? Up to you, oh, whatever. Okay. Yeah, I'd say I my dream would be to make an impact in American culture on the Asian American community, writing stories that matter and help open up the perspective to to the American audience of what it's like to be an Asian American. My dream life is to be fulfilled creatively, to have just the opportunity to tell my stories. And, you know, every day I wake up grateful that I am able to do what I love. And so just being able to have that um, honestly would be a dream life for me. I love it. You're you're like on your way there. (laughs) What is one book or resource you recommend to everybody? For filmmaking? Whatever. whatever. In life? Yeah. So for filmmaking, there's a film called Making Movies that I really recommend. Before life, my one of my favorite writers is Brene Brown, and she is just so mm. amazing. I think her books have taught me so much just about being authentic to yourself, staying courageous. You know, it's like what we talked about: waking up every day and choosing to fight. You know, and choosing to yeah um, do what you love, and yeah, and then also when you fall, to rise strong. So mm-hmm. you know, there's always going to be difficulties, but as long as you rise strong then you can take on anything, you know? Mm-hmm, totally. What is one habit that has changed your life? I would say journaling. I do I do a lot of journaling, um, and then I also do a lot of bullet journaling. Mm. But both of those have really changed my life. Just it, it helps kind of clear, clear my head. And then it also, because there's always so much going on, um, just clearly laying out everything I have my schedule and yeah. all that so I'm the same way I have to like journal it out right <laughs> or else I just feel like I don't know what's going on yeah it helps <laughs> you sort out you know your thoughts sometimes mm-hmm. your emotions if you're going through 
a, a bad day yeah. or something like that. You know, I just think it's so necessary. And some people don't have, you know, let's say if you don't have a significant other, like, like a journal is the best way to, it's like, you know, have someone to talk to. <laughs> your journal it's your best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I do that too. Yeah. Okay. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? To stay true to who you are and to not care about what other people think. I love it. Okay, last one. Finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? Is love. Aww. I know it's generic, but you know, I just think there are just so many hardships in life. And when you have people around you who give you love, when you give love to other people, like that's really what I feel like life is mm -hmm. about. And then Mimi, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me on Instagram at mxms, and that's really the only one I use currently, yeah, for um, just everything. And uh, you can check out Moonchild on moonchildfilm.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mimi. Thank you for sharing, and I'm sure everyone enjoyed learning more about like film and directing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mimi Lee. And now I just want to wrap up with some key takeaways from our talk. So first, Mimi talked about how it can be really hard as a director, but what keeps her going is remembering her why, her purpose and her motivation for the stories that she really wants to tell. And I just love Mimi's fighting courageous spirits because she talks about how even though it's hard, she still has that fire, the will to fight every day, to wake up the next morning to continue to fight this fight because she really believes in her message that she wants to tell. And she also references Brene Brown as one of her influential authors, which I think was pretty fitting because Brene Brown writes about authenticity, vulnerability, and rising strong. Another key message that we kept going back to was staying true to your voice, being authentic in telling your stories, especially as a creative, if you're collaborating with a lot of people or if you're in a position where a lot of people will give you their opinions, it can be really easy to be swayed by other people's opinions. I mean, everybody has their own opinion and yes, some are valid, but you do have to know who are the people you can trust, who are the people who really have your back and have your best interests at heart. Because at the end of the day, you want to stay true to your own vision, your own voice, and the original message that you wanted to convey, it's really easy for that message to get diluted, especially in entertainment, because so many people have a say and they want to have their input. But ultimately, what I think makes a great creative is someone who knows their vision and stays grounded in that vision and will work incredibly hard to see that vision through and execute it fully. The last key takeaway is this. If you don't see your story, story told, then tell it. If you feel like there's something missing that you wish was there, then that is inspiration for you to go do that thing. Go fill that gap. All right, that's it for today's podcast. Love you guys so much and talk to you next time. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.